Hello and thank you for taking a moment to listen to God's word today. Please prepare your heart as you listen. We hope and pray that this sermon will be a great blessing to you. Go with me to Mark chapter 5. If you got your Bibles, please turn your Bibles, switch on your Bibles to Mark chapter 5, verse 21 to 43. I'm going to read this entire passage. It's a lot of verses, but I would love for you to follow with me as I go through these verses. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue whose name was Jairus arrived when he saw Jesus he fell at his feet pleading fervently with him my little daughter is dying he said please come and lay your hands on her heal her so she can live Jesus went with him and all the people followed crowding around him a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding she had suffered a great deal from many doctors and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them but she had gotten no better in fact she had gotten worse she had heard about Jesus so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe for she thought to herself if i can just touch his robe i will be healed immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition verse 30 jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him so he turned around in the crowd and asked who touched my robe his disciples looked at him and told him look at this crowd pressing around you how can you ask who touched me but he kept on looking around to see who had done it then the frightened woman trembling at the realization of what had happened to her came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done and he said to her daughter your faith has made you well go in peace your suffering is over while he was still speaking to her the messengers arrived from the home of Jairus the leader of the synagogue they told him your daughter is dead there's no use troubling the teacher now but Jesus overheard them said to Jairus don't be afraid just have faith then jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except peter james and john the brother of james when they came to the home of the synagogue leader jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing he went inside and asked why all this commotion and weeping the child isn't dead she is only asleep the crowd laughed at him but he made them all leave and he took the girl's father and the mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying verse 41 holding her hand he said to her talitha kum which means little girl get up and the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around they were overwhelmed and totally amazed jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened and he told them to take her to kentucky fried chicken and get her a full bucket Amen. 
It's not there? The last verse? Probably the Sam International Version. I want to title the sermon this morning, Interruption is an Invitation. Interruption is an invitation. Turn to the person next to you, look at them and tell them, interruption is an invitation. And if they're not wearing a mask, can you look at them and tell them, can you please put on your mask? (laughs) All right. Those who are joining us online, great to see you all and it's so good that you have all joined in. It's amazing. Interruption is an invitation. Many of you know this story. And the story that is written in the New Testament in the Gospel of Mark, Mark has put two miracles together. He didn't put the story of this woman who is bleeding as a separate story and the miracle of this 12-year-old daughter of Jairus as a separate story. In fact, both the stories are merged together. This, because this woman's life and the resurrection of a 12-year-old is somehow connected. And we need to understand why it's connected. We need to understand why they have put it together. And there are a lot of things that we can see that are similar in their lives. And there's a lot of things that are different in their life. Jairus and the woman with the issue of the blood. See, there is, the, there is this connection that is happening in this story. The, the first difference, obvious difference is that Jairus' name is mentioned, but the woman's name is not mentioned. She's actually identified with her disease that she had in her body. On the surface, both these people are actually very different people. Culturally, Jairus and this woman would not sit down for a meal. They would not mingle. They would not talk to each other. They are in a cultural context where this woman would actually be treated, will be treated as an untouchable because of her disease. Because of her situation. And Jairus was actually an affluent man. In fact, he had some money in the bank. And this woman was a broke, poor woman. Jairus had people to help him. You know, people, we see in the story, people came to him and said, Master, your daughter is dead. He had messengers to come from his home. He had servants who were working for him to help him. So he was in a different social status. Whereas this woman was all on her own. But then they had some things that were in common. What they had in common was they both had a problem that they couldn't handle. Now that is life. You could be in different social status. You could have high jobs, high paid uh, salaries and you might be in a very low paid salary living a normal life. But life has a way of evening the platform for everybody. That's true. When crisis hits, both of them, they had a problem that they couldn't handle. And they both had to push their way to Jesus. 
It was not easy for them to get to Jesus. They both had to push their way to Jesus. And another common thing is, they both were desperate to see Jesus do something in their life. Are you desperate for Jesus? Are you desperate for Jesus? When you are desperate for God, you will approach God differently. When you are desperate for God, you will not be waiting for the worship leader to say, come on, let's lift our hands and worship. You will be up. When, when, when you are desperate for God, you will not be waiting for a 21 days of fasting and prayer to be announced in church for you to fast and pray. You will be fasting and praying already because you're desperate for God. When you're desperate for God, the way you approach God will be absolutely different. You see, this woman and Jairus, they were desperate for God because there was a situation in their life, there was an interruption in their life that they could not handle, so they were pushing their way to Jesus. Your problem, your crisis, your interruptions that you are facing, this corona that God is using, He did not create it, He did not send it, but He is using it for us to push our way to Jesus. This interruption is an invitation for you to push your way to Jesus. Somebody look at someone and say, push your way to Jesus. Somebody type it in the chat. Push your way to Jesus. Desperation opens up doors that complacency keeps shut. When you're desperate for God, it will open certain doors in your life that complacency keeps it shut. When you are satisfied with your couch mentality Christianity, what is a couch Christianity? What is a sofa Christianity? Everything needs to come to your lap. Your prayer life and your worship and your giving to God and, and, and you becoming a disciple and everything, it dependent on you just consuming God but not giving anything to God. You just expect everything to be done for you but you are not ready to do anything for Him. That's called sofa Christianity. Where you just sit in your sofa and just enjoy. All my life you have been faithful. But what God is asking is, are you desperate? Last week I told you this. If you are too comfortable, God will disturb you. If you are too disturbed, God will comfort you. Who are you today? If you are too comfortable in your life, get ready. God is going to disturb you. God will disturb you. God will disturb you. Desperation opens up doors that complacency keeps it shut. There are some desperation details I want to give to you from the story. You see, Jairus' little daughter is dying. As a father, can you imagine? He is desperate to get Jesus' attention. He is desperate to hear Jesus. So he comes to Jesus. He talks to him. He says, this is my situation. I need you to come with me to my house. 
He says, my 12-year-old dying daughter is there in my house. If you, can just, if you can just come and pray, I think she will be healed. You know, he is approaching, Jairus is approaching Jesus um, like, a, like, a, like a Christian. Like a Christian, like a, like a, you know, like a believer. Where he knows that if he can come and pray, that God will do something. That something will happen. So Jairus, all he is doing is that, Jesus, I need you. I need you now. Let's go. I already have the worship music playing. The kingdom sound is already there. Everything is set. The atmosphere is ready. Church news is done. You just need to come in and pray so that she will be healed. Another detail that I want you to point towards to you is that there's this 12-year-old dying daughter of Jairus. And then there's this woman with 12 years of disease. Which means that on the day that this girl was born is the day that this woman, is the year the woman was diagnosed with this problem. Are you with me? The year that this little girl was born is the same year that this woman was also diagnosed with her disease. If, you, if this was to be created as a movie, imagine, just imagine with me that they would, you know, they would start with a scene of a beautiful baby just crying. Ah! Like that. I don't know if that was beautiful. Um, crying. And, this, and, they sh- and they show a wide shot. And then this beautiful parents, you know, just looking at this baby like, oh my goodness, we got a little daughter. She is so beautiful. And then as they bring this, uh, you know, beautiful daughter out of the hospital, they show another woman coming out of the same hospital, so sorrowful, sad, because she got a diagnosis. Same time, different generation different situation the number 12 is a very significant number in the bible number 12 signifies god's power and god's authority that's what number 12 signifies jacob you know father abraham made had many sons one of the sons was jacob jacob had 12 sons which then became 12 tribes of Israel. So God fulfilled the covenant with Abraham through Jacob and they had 12 tribes of Israel. You know the high priest in the Old Testament, when he wears a breastplate, he's got 12 precious stones on his breastplate which represents the 12 tribes of Israel. Fast forward to New Testament. Jesus first preached in the synagogue at the age of 12. When Jesus first started speaking to the people in the synagogue, he was at the age of 12. Jesus gave all power and authority to his 12 disciples. If I was Jesus, I would have stuck with Levin. It's like, you Judas, stay away. I know who you are. You're not getting anything. There's something significant about this passage. There's something significant about this miracle. 
Many people we think that it's a matter of faith. Of course, this is a matter of faith. But it is not just the matter of faith. It is also about the awareness of God's authority and power in your life. Many people think that the reason that you're not able to see miracle is because of a faith problem. It is actually not a faith problem. It is actually an awareness problem. Your faith is not connected to God's authority. When you connect your faith to God's authority, you see the move of God. Let me give you an example. When Jesus was on a boat with his disciples and and they were facing a storm and everybody was, you know, panicking and Jesus was calm, cool, sound asleep. And they woke him up. Jesus, we are dying. Come on, man. Wake up. Do something. So Jesus wakes up, goes to the edge of the boat. He looks at the sea and the storm and he goes, peace. And everything, everything just calms down. So everybody in the boat now goes, whoa, who is this man who has authority even over the ocean. It would have been a different scenario if Jesus was sleeping and all the disciples were like, oh, we are in the middle of the storm, but we have a man who has all authority over heaven and earth and the ocean. So if Jesus is sleeping in the middle of the storm, come on Jesus, can you push in a little bit? Let me also sleep with you. Let's all lie down. Come on, let's take a break. Let's take a rest. If that's what Jesus is doing, then he's got everything in control. Now that would be a different response. This is our problem many times. We have faith. You have faith. Everybody has faith. He's my healer. He's my deliverer. He's my all in all. He's the king of kings. He's the lord of lords. He's my provider. He's El Shaddai. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's the beginning and the end. Oh my God, I am tested positive. I don't know what to do now. God's authority over your body is not activated by your faith. Is there a faith that is connected with God's authority over your life? The moment crisis hits, what we need to do is speak to the one who's in authority. Not to your fear. Many times we use the fear and we start speaking out in fear. Once I was traveling back from England to India, and uh, while I was traveling, I I was boarding the plane. And a very interesting thing happened that has never happened in my life before. As I was boarding the plane, I walked through the business class, and I saw like, wow, this is very nice. Wow, look at them. They even have plates to eat. They give everything in a paper, you know, uh, uh, boxes for us. So I was just looking all that and I just tried to go to my seat. 
And when I went to my seat, there was a man sitting in my seat. So I got confused for a minute. I thought I came to the wrong seat. So I checked my boarding pass and I looked at him. He also checked his boarding pass and he looked back at me. And I said, sir, you are sitting in my seat. And he looked, sir, I am sitting in my seat. So we both looked at our boarding pass and uh, the, it was printed the exact same seat number. Both had the same seat number. Now the question is, who is going to sit in this seat? So I am trying to talk to one of the uh, air stewards and she came over and she is like, uh, this has never happened before. We don't know what to do. I think one of you might have to not travel today. So the guy who is sitting like, I'm already sitting in my seat. So it should be him who's not traveling today. And I said, listen, I have paid for this flight and I need to fly today in this flight also because I have paid for my seat. It is not my problem that you printed this. She's like, no, sir, we are not sure how this happened. I don't think this is possible. I don't think this, uh, there's a way around this. So I immediately said to her, I looked at her and told her, who is your boss? Can you call her? Who is the head of the steward? Can you call her? And then she, she came over. There's this very tall, gigantic European lady. She was, excuse me, sir, what is the problem? I said, this is the problem right here. And she looked, and she looked at the steward who was uh, talking to me and said, why are you troubling the man? And she said, sir, follow me. I said, okay, she's going to find me another seat. She kept going, she kept going, she kept going, and she opened the curtain to the business class. And she said, sir, please take a seat. I said, I am going to eat on a plate in the plane today. Hey! They gave me a seat in the business class. Yeah, it's okay if you're not clapping because you didn't get it. That's fine. All you jealous people, heal them, Lord, right now from the spirit of jealousy. So I sat down and then there's this mischief thinking in me when I was trying to use, you know, the flight took off and, uh, you know, we were just going and a couple of hours later, I wanted to use the loo, but I did not use the loo in the business class, Prithvi. I went all the way down to economy. You know Why? I just want to look at the man who didn't give up my seat. And I, as I was going past, I said, are you okay? Are you comfortable? He's like, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm in the business class, just to let you know. He was like, okay, whatever. Speak to somebody in authority shifts everything. Somebody who didn't know how to handle it, but then when the chief, when person in authority came over, the entire situation changed and I was upgraded. When you hit crisis in your life, when you have interruptions in your life, it's your invitation to connect your faith to the God who is in authority over your life. Not with the fear, not with hopeless people. 
Not with people who are talking negative things and saying, Oh my goodness, your life is doomed. You're not going anywhere. Is that what they said? You will never get a job. You are going to lose a job because everybody are losing their job. No. Put your faith in the one who has authority over your life. Don't speak to those people. You need to say, Oh, I need to speak to somebody who has authority. Over heaven and earth. I need to speak to somebody who is the alpha and the omega. I need to speak to somebody who knows my name even before I was created in my mother's womb. Who has called me out. Who has set me apart. Who has anointed me. I need to speak to somebody. Let your faith speak to the one who is in authority over your life. Come on someone. It's your awareness of God's authority in your life that will determine what you will receive from Him. You see, there's a big difference between Chiris and this woman. They both had faith in Jesus. That's why they pushed their way to Jesus. But they both have a different awareness of His authority. Different awareness of His authority. See, Jairus invited him saying that you know if you can just come and pray but this woman her awareness of God's authority was so different she's like Jesus doesn't even have to look at me he doesn't even have to speak a word to me. He's the God of authority. So in my faith, I am going to touch the edge of his robe. Because even the very thread on Jesus' robe has the power and authority to heal you and to set you free. So with that awareness, she went over. She knelt down. She touched his robe. And Jesus then became aware of the power that left him the awareness of his authority was so different in this woman's life than Jairus now Jesus is interrupted during an invitation to go somewhere and while he's interrupted he stops and can you imagine Jairus for a minute Jairus is like, look man, I'm a very affluent person, right? I've got people waiting for me, but I have a situation in my house that I know that only you can set me free from. So can you just come over to my house? In other words, can we just walk away from this crowd here quickly possible? But what Jairus failed to see that he's in the atmosphere of healing already, that he's in God's authority already. Sometimes you don't need to see the miracle coming to you. You just need to step into the atmosphere, atmosphere, atmosphere of God's faith and authority. Church, are you setting an atmosphere of faith and releasing God's authority in your life? You can have faith but not realize His authority over your life. See, what is happening is that while this was going on, Jairus had to watch a miracle when he was waiting on a miracle. Come on. I think many of us can relate to that. 
When this woman came in front of Jesus, like Jesus asking, who touched me? And Jairus is like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? We need to get going. There's like hundreds and thousands of people who are around you and they're all touching you and you want to know who touched you. Jesus, what is this? And even the disciples are like, can you see the crowd? Everybody is touching you. Come on, Jesus. Jairus is waiting. His little girl is dying. We need to go. And Jesus is like, no. I need to know who touched me. So this woman comes and kneels in front of him. And she says everything. You know when a woman says everything, she would say everything. So you can only imagine how long they were there. Just saying. She said everything. And, and Jairus is now standing and watching all this. He's like, oh my goodness, woman, just get your miracle and get out of here. I am so happy that God has healed you. But I am waiting on my miracle. I'm on my way to my miracle. Can you understand Jairus' feeling that while he is witnessing a miracle, waiting for a miracle, many people are going through this. Oh, I have been to 100 weddings while I am still single. God, you answered her prayer and not mine yet. You are watching people getting promoted when you are waiting for your promotion. You are seeing people healed when you are waiting for your healing. You are seeing people getting married when you are waiting for the one. It's not easy. But the interruption was an invitation for Jairus' faith to arise and understand Jesus' authority. Because what, what would have happened if Jairus actually realized, oh wow, oh, so if you can just touch his robe, she'll get, like you got healed? Then, then if Jairus really was aware of his authority, then he could have looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, can you just speak a word from here so that she shall be set free? Can I just cut a little bit more of your robe and take it home while you're listening to the story? He did not get that. And while this interruption is happening, the men from Jairus' home comes over and they are, you know, uh, they are telling this uh, they're telling Jesus, your daughter is dead now. Don't disturb the pastor. Don't disturb him. It's too late. Don't disturb him. It's too late. So Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus overheard them. Jesus overheard them and he told them, oh, she's not dead. She's just asleep. She's not dead. She's just asleep. Your daughter is dead. There is no use in troubling the teacher. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just have faith. Just have faith. Isn't it nice to have a God who overhears you? Sometimes God answers prayers that you prayed to Him. 
And sometimes he just answers your thoughts. He overheard you. Be careful what you speak to others. Maybe nobody else is listening, but God overhears you. He hears you. So what happens is that now Jesus is going to Jairus' house. I want you to pay attention to verse 40. It says, the crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. (laughs) Here is a group of people where Jesus had to do a miracle, but the atmosphere there was unfaithful people. People who had no faith were sitting around the dead girl. And when Jesus said that she's just sleeping, I'm going to wake her up, he knew exactly what he meant, but these people laughed at him. So Jesus, he did not say requested them to leave, he made them, basically, he said, get out. He kicked them out. A typical title for this sermon would be get up. Right? Because this girl was resurrected. So get up from your dead thoughts and get up from your depression. But a lot of times the reason why we are not able to get up is because we are surrounded by unfaithful, doubtful speaking people in our lives who are actually drawing the presence of God out of your life and not in. So if you need to get up, you need to kick out some things out of your life. I know we all imagine Jesus like, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. Sometimes Jesus is also, he's a good, good gangster. He will kick it out. When he needs to kick it out, he knows how to. He will kick it out. There are some things that needs to get out for it to get up in your life. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, get out. But don't go now. We need that. We need that. If you need to see a resurrection happen in your life. If you need to see the dead things being healed and restored. What is it that is laughing at you? Who is it that is laughing at your God? What is it that is laughing at your faith? Who is it that is stopping you from believing in God's authority being activated in your life? Make them leave. He made them all leave and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. You see, in Jairus' life, Jairus had an invitation. To understand God's authority. He felt for a moment that while that woman was getting healed. That woman's healing become an interruption for him. The woman's healing. Somebody else's miracle might seem like an interruption for you. Because you are waiting on your miracle. But it is an invitation for you to open your eyes. And see that God is doing something greater. 
Because what Jairus was about to experience was not just healing, but resurrection power. A resurrection power. I hope you were blessed by the sermon. Please share it with someone else who you think can also be blessed through this. If you would like to support our ministry financially, you can do so at kingscitychurch.org forward slash give. And we will see you next week with a brand new sermon. God bless.